Hi, I'm Lou, the host of Love Me, a CBC original podcast about the messiness of human connection. The show features deeply personal stories, like a mother forced to press charges against her own son, a couple that falls in love through Google Translate, and a man whose father-in-law asks him to build his coffin. Subscribe to Love Me at cbc.ca slash loveme or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Okay, we're about to go to Granville Island's public market. It's like a bazaar. There's fish, and there's fruit, and there's like a little pottery sometimes. Right now, Mark, Ryan, and I are on a field trip with our producer Dave to get some inspiration for our romantic comedy. We are looking around at romantic settings at Vancouver's most romantic setting itself, which has many little settings within it, Granville Island. You can't spell romance without Granville Island. I once saw a seagull eat a pigeon right outside there. True. In the water. It's sounding such a hellscape. It's so nice. And it really is. Granville Island is a busy tourist spot on the water in Vancouver, and it's exactly the kind of place you'd film a rom-com. It's got it all. Couples on rollerblades, flower vendors selling roses, romantic restaurants overlooking marinas, a bustling market area. So you come over here and there's all these fruits, but you can't buy them because they actually cost $200, but they're really pretty. Granville Island has so many possibilities for love, and that's the reason we chose it for this field trip. It would be the perfect place to set a rom-com. Although the biggest movie ever shot here was Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which is not the vibe we're going for. Anyway, each of us picked a different part of the island that we think is the most romantic. Mine is the market. You know what I think is romantic about it here? It's like there's a good din, so you can really talk about people and they won't notice, and that's cute. When you feel private and public, that's always romantic. Mm. Also, when you're like being observed as a couple, you know what I mean? The guy at the butcher's like, hey, you two sure seem in love. You go, we're not there yet. Hey, are you right. two married? This yeah. is a married-only butcher shop. <laughs> like a motel in the 50s. Next, we went to Ryan's Choice. So this is my choice for romantic place. We're right down in the marina, right on the water, where boats dock. But also, the dual effect of under the wharf, which is like secret area. Isn't that your um, uh, Star Trek fan fiction that you wrote, called mm. Under the Wharf? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's highly sexual. It made us wonder, what if we incorporated a boat as a setting in our movie? Boats, I find either one of the most romantic movies of all time, Titanic, about a larger boat. All sorts of boat stuff happening on that. Um, being on the, like, the, the, the thought of travel on the open waters, anything is possible, including drowning. I've been on a, like, a party boat that actually goes around this very harbor, and it was, I had a romantic time. I met someone, I met who was like a, a, a romantic connection on a boat. Because you're trapped. You're also trapped when you're on a boat. You can't get off. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I guess trapped is usually a bad thing in most when you write down trapped. But I guess I mean you have to make the best of it. Can't get off. Can't go to another bar. You're on the boat. And after the marina, we headed over to Mark's romantic setting of choice. A grassy hill away from the crowd. Have you had any romantic dates, romantic moments here? That's our producer, Dave. I have. Uh, with my... Now, wife, uh, we when we first were kind of seeing each other, I was in town visiting, and we sat very close to where we are here on a bench at midnight, uh, and it was cold, and I put my hands into her sleeves, uh, and we sat and we talked. Mark's spot was really pretty. 
But the thing about it is, there's always the potential for something to come along and kill the mood. A garbage truck picking up a dumpster. A gardener with a weed whacker. Or, in our case, a weird boat. Oh, here's another boat. Here comes a big pirate-looking ship. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. You ever done that? A pirate-themed kids' adventure ship floated up as it apparently does six times a day. That's a thing here. A bunch of kids began shouting at an actor in pirate garb who was sitting in a small boat in the harbor. What are you doing in my house? And started spraying them with water cannons. But I guess that's what romantic comedies are all about. They can't be romantic all the time because who would want to watch that? Some comedy needs to come along to knock the romance down a peg. We're on a hill, a grassy hill. Share a kiss, turns into a roll. Pick up some speed, find yourself launching into the water. There you go, romantic comedy. Today on the show, we're trying to figure out the right balance between romance and comedy. It's Let's Make a Rom-Com. season on the show, our goal was to make an earnest science fiction pilot. That word earnest was a big part of the challenge. We're three comedians who have a hard time writing anything that's not comedy. This season, we're writing a romantic comedy, so that's a different challenge. The word comedy is right in the name, so we should have an advantage. And yet, it's an uphill battle. All we really have at this point is our romantic leads, Greg and Catalina. And they're sort of funny, I guess, but not really. They're likable and their dialogue is flirty and charming. But what's gonna make this a comedy? Side characters. Kooky best friends, weird neighbors, overly familiar delivery men. Because when you watch a romantic comedy, you wanna fall in love with the couple. But if the world they're living in isn't funny, it just feels like a Hallmark movie. That's why we need side characters. They're connected to the main character's journeys, they facilitate the story, and maybe even give life advice. Think Aquafina and Crazy Rich Asians. Do you wanna stop by for some dinner? Oh, no, I couldn't impose. No, it's not a problem. You know, I had some dinner plans. Yeah, fucking come to dinner. Carrie Fisher and When Harry Met Sally. I've got the perfect guy. I don't happen to find him attractive, but you might. She doesn't have a problem with chins. Arsenio Hall and Coming to America. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Iconic. But before we make our side characters, we need to know what makes a good one. What are the elements that make them go from generic quirky best friend to iconic quirky best friend? So we called up an expert. Hi, I'm Karin Somi. You might know me from movies like Deadpool, Office Christmas Party, Ghostbusters, the one with the women in it, and a bunch of rom-coms. Karin has played many, many, many side characters. Assistants, delivery guys, office workers, including a couple of roles he shot here in Vancouver. I've done actually a rom-com in Vancouver, Always Be My Maybe, where I did play the friend. And of course, Deadpool, right, was filmed here. Yes, another famous (laughs) rom-com. Karn is probably best known for playing Dopinder, the doormat taxi driver in the Deadpool movies. Dopinder, I'm starting to think there's a reason I'm in this cab today. Yeah, so you called for it, remember? No, my slender brown friend, love is a beautiful thing. Maybe Deadpool is a rom-com. 
Karin says he's come to love playing side characters. Yeah, I think a side character in a rom-com is the best part because um, they get to be funny. I think the best side character is the best example is Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids, which isn't really a rom-com, but like is a perfect example because she's unhinged. <laughs> she has like her introduction is <laughs> that she like had sex with a dolphin or something like that's insane. Like there's nothing around it about that. Like she is just completely like, you know, just crazy. And I swear to God that dolphin looked not at me, but into my soul, into my goddamn soul, Annie, and said, I'm saving you, Megan. But then the trick is that there's always one scene where she's grounded and has like a dramatic or the character has like a dramatic scene. So when she goes over to Kristen Wiig and the third act or beginning end of the second act and she's basically like, get your shit together. And she gives this like motivational speech and she's like, shows you some of her inner life. You're like, I love this person. Now you gotta stop feeling sorry for yourself. okay? Because I do not associate with people that blame the world for their problems because you're your problem, Annie. And you're also your solution, right? I mean, that's, you get that? But they can only do that once. After that, they have to be batshit crazy. Um, (laughs) That's the trick, I think. Okay, so good side characters are batshit crazy with just a tiny bit of heart. Got it. Let's brainstorm with that winning formula in mind. I've got a few, like, one-scene characters and a few, like, so I've got it all over the place. I've even got, like, unnamed characters. Actually, we realized we already had one side character, Catalina's loser improviser ex-boyfriend Mark, who still lives in her apartment. Mark and Ryan were really able to pin down the details on him. Mid-30s, mm-hmm. where, where, you know, people who are, like, in an improv group, people start going, like, you're in an improv group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So real. Yeah, it's very real. Uh, uh, I, I think he's, like, lived a bit of both. I think he's lived a full life, but it's been also, like, isolated in one world. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like he's like, ah, I went to the Berlin Improv Festival. This is so real. Yeah. And like that was a big accomplishment <laughs> for him, but like it's not real, real and like, yeah. The, yeah. like he hasn't like done anything like substantial. Done. Yeah. I mean, I think he's funny. Like I think he's, deep, you know, deep down. If he yeah, just, he's got, if he's, he's got a haircut. And if he's 32 and, or 35 and he spent his life doing improv, like he's got something. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> And we also had some ideas about him having a girlfriend. So I, I have a girlfriend character for him called Breath <laughs> with an E at the end. Yes. And she she has like lots of advice for Catalina. She's a bit insufferable, but she's nice. Like she, yeah. she's kind of like, uh, like she's like, you need to stop drinking coffee. It's probably why, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like you think it's doing well, but it's just killing you. That's funny. Um, and also it's probably why you have bad skin. So she's like, <laughs> yeah, she's like a little, little insults. A little bit of an overshare insult, yeah. sort of left-handed. Here, sort here's of my pitch for a breath. Hmm. She's the most basic girl in the whole world. She just goes to her job and she comes home and she goes to the gym and she watches The Office on Netflix. Oh and she god. thinks that only oh she only god. watches it for Jim and Pam. She thinks everyone else is too weird. Oh my god, That's I so love good. that. Also, she should have a really like a really nice apartment on her own, but she's always yeah, she's always there. Yeah, exactly. I think she's yes. a facialist. That's good. And she is criticizing Catalina's yeah. skin a lot. Yeah. yeah. She's she- always like, can I do an extraction? <laughs> 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 okay. Roommate slash ex-boyfriend Mark and Breath are in Catalina's world. We then came up with some people who work on set with Greg and Catalina. If you recall, Catalina is the continuity person on a movie. This is someone who ensures people and props are where they should be in each shot. And we're thinking Greg is the caterer on set, at least for now. Anyways, who is around them? Um, I have a I have a director character. 
Yeah. Fun. Um, and his name is, uh, I've named him Forrest Foster, Foster Wallace. <laughs> Goes by Foster. And he's like super posy core. He's like, he like really, <laughs> he's into the doctrine of like just uh, like constant positivity. Everything is positive. Mm-hmm. So when he fires, even when he fires Catalina, it's like, we're giving the opportunity for you to work with other people. And like, mm. you just like, everything has a positive spin on it. Nothing, nothing can be negative. And like things can be going like horribly wrong. Oh yeah, and, and he, that'd be so annoying as continuity too. You'd be like, "This is wrong," and he's like, "That's awesome. You're bringing that to my attention." Yeah, yeah. I had um, the other continuity guy, like her assistant. Oh, nice. And he's just awful. Yeah, yeah. He's the director's son. Nice. And oh, he's so yes. useless, and he's so like stoned and spacey, and just like a classic. And Catalina has a crush on him. Uh, yeah, him and Catalina's <laughs> date. Um, actually, <laughs> she could have already yeah, slept with them. Totally that'd be yeah. that'd be hilarious. Yeah, and she's like, "What? Oh, God, this is the worst." I had a maybe she could have a work friend, uh, possibly. So like, I like thought it would be cool to have like a a young, hip, cool boom up mm. named Trish, and Catalina <laughs> almost looks up to her because she's like cool and like mm. no problem can phase her, like really actually funny, mm. like a fun little her best work friend potentially. I had a friend of hers as well. Nice. And it was the hair, key hair. Key hair, yeah. And she's Irish and she's always vaping. That's really I love good. That. Yeah, I like that. I like her having a key hair friend. And yeah. I like the Irish vaping angle for some reason. It really yeah, works for me. Of course. It's so I can really good. see it. She's got really long fingernails too, really yeah, ornately a lot of done. Fake mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all the on set stuff I have. Okay. What about Greg's world? Greg's next door neighbor. Nice. So, so like in Greg's orbit, maybe people in Greg's yeah. orbit. And here's what I got for this. Yeah, okay? yeah. Short and sweet. I'm going to say it, and you guys are, it's been a mic drop. I got a good one. Okay. Yeah. A cool hip nun. Okay. Uh, now we're talking. So she okay. she's not living in the nunnery, no. she's out in the town. Well, everyone's always talking about the cool priest. Oh, that's cool. I'm a priest. Yeah. This is a cool nun. Yeah. So does she wear a habit or no? She wears that, that cool habit that the modern ones wear. Yeah. Okay. The oh, the one, one with the spikes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's her name? Sister something or other, I imagine. Christina. Sister Christina. Sister Christina. And she's always like, uh, Greg, can you turn the music up? <laughs> we also had a bunch of little characters that we like that might grow into something big. Tim Dowell, 50s. He's the alderman for the ward where Greg's grocery store is located. He's desperate for Greg's endorsement in the next Chicago civic election, but Greg won't give it to him because of key social issues. So Dowell starts to try to sabotage Greg's grocery store. Ooh. My pitch for the star of the movie that Catalina and Greg are working on mm-hmm. is an extremely old woman. Yeah. Very mean. Been in Hollywood for a million years. Nice. And the story in the movie could be her having an affair with like a 20-year-old guy, mm-hmm. which is kind of just funny, yeah. going in our thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have one called Inappropriate Paramedic. <laughs> my only other character is Salty. Uh, he's the captain of the Filthy Carcass, which is a children's pirate themed party boat. Uh, member? What are you doing in my house? <laughs> I'm saying this to you now. Do not forget the pirate party boat. It will become important. And then there was one character that we fell in love with. Okay, here's one a guy named Zeta Trigonometry. <laughs> Any age. No one's last name is trigonometry. <laughs> An unpopular busker who performs math magic. <laughs> oh, okay. Often in front of Mark and Catalina's place. Question mark. Maybe it's in Mark's improv troupe. 
Question mark, maybe dated Catalina in the past, but he's Zeta Trigonometry and he entertains kids with I love math, this. math I love magic. That. And he's like, wow. hold, a, hold on a sec, Algebra. Yeah. <laughs> Let me grab that. We don't know how he fits into the plot. We don't know why he would be in Greg and Catalina's world, but Zeta Trigonometry is batshit crazy. And who knows? Maybe we'll find a way for him to have a little heart-to-heart with our main characters. So he's like, A squared plus B squared equals me squared. And he might even do raps. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a math kind of rap magic. Like, yeah. you know people who think, like, math can be really interesting. Yeah. So he does, like, little magic shows yeah. for kids. Very unpopular. You want to figure out how tall this pole is. We'll take the shadow and then this is what it is. You <laughs> Right? Yeah. We came up with so many side characters, and we love them all. I honestly think all of them are usable. I do, too. And they can now be our little, like, people that we can, like, grab and make put to work. That we, like, we need a scene, and it'll be so helpful to have these, like, list of characters just grab from. But there is one obvious side character we haven't discussed. Can you guess who? I'll give you a second. Her name rhymes with Velma Kayak. We all agreed that it would make sense that she would make a small appearance in our story. But what is Selma Hayek like? If only we knew someone who knows her in real life. Can I ask the premise? Yeah, well, we yeah. want to give, well, you, the, we we wanna wanna give yeah. you the whole pitch. Oh, great. Um, should we do that now? Enter Karin Sony. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Okay, I'll do it. I'm excited. So our rom-com is centered around the female lead, Catalina. When we were researching for our interview with Karin, we came across some information that is very relevant to our script. So that's that, that's the movie. They have to and it's called? Oh, it's called His Ex-Girlfriend is Selma Hayek. There it is. Amazing. <laughs> you know, I have worked with Selma Hayek. We know. Oh, really? That's why we, I was yeah. like, and let's not are... talk about it yet, because we want to know everything. Karin played Selma Hayek's assistant in the 2020 comedy Like a Boss. Did you know that I had a partner when I started out? Shay Whitmore. Josh. We don't say that name. That woman and I met in college. They were freshman roommates. Josh! Whose story is it anyway? It's yours. So what we really want to ask you is, what is she like? What's <laughs> all the like? <laughs> oh my is she gosh. nice? Will yeah. she do our movie? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, no, she is... Um, she is like a star in the sense that you, uh, she's lived like a million lives. So like an example is we filmed this movie in Atlanta, the one I did with her. And like every weekend I would be like, yeah, I went to this like random restaurant over the weekend. What did you do? And she's like, I went to Drake's house. <laughs> and I was like, huh? And then... <laughs> She was like, yeah, he just DM'd and, you know, my daughter's a fan. And so he was like, come to my concert. Then he's like, come to my house. And I was like, that's a very different experience than what I had. Um, But she's just got like, that's just her life very casually, normally. Like she's just, um, she's also very much into, um, 
she she also has this aura around i think maybe for your script around other women so this movie also had like rose byrne and and tiffany haddish and salma looks like she's 25 years old in person like it's really crazy and she she swore by this thing from mexico some plant that she puts on her face and it was very (laughs) mysterious because it grows in the on this tree but like it's clearly working but it also sounds really made up but i was like something is happening there's just like a lot of mystery there's like a lot happening there which is very interesting um but the biggest thing is that she knows every single person that you would want to know mm. like um mm-hmm. and then she has really crazy stories that like only she has um she also gave me an impromptu lap dance one day um <laughs> which was <laughs> just to bury her uh, <laughs> um, she also gives really good massages uh, uh that like you're meant to lay on the ground and then she like steps on you um i did not get one of these but I saw them being given to other people. Um, did you refuse or did you just not I wasn't never have an opportunity? Off- I wasn't offered. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't offered. offered the potential. After also, the lap dance. Was like, yeah, I, I think she tapped out at the lap dance. Um, and she, yeah, she's just like one of the most charming people you will ever meet. Okay, so we've got our roster of side characters. We've got our main characters. We've even got a bit of intel about Selma Hayek. But we haven't really made a ton of progress on the actual writing of the movie. It's Wednesday. We're in the writer's room. And today, the writer's room actually looks the way you'd imagine it. We've got Sharpies and different colored note cards, and we're writing the plot points and arranging them on a board. We're outlining the whole plot of the movie. And it's going to be a long day, so get comfortable. We are officially outlining our story. I got my board. I got my cue cards. I'm going to draw two vertical lines okay okay that's horizontal two horizontal lines (laughs) the movie starts with the setup so the one thing i'd say about setup is there's always a sense of there's something wrong with their picture that's rom-com expert billy mernet again because you're writing a movie where love is going to solve their problem so the one thing i'd say about setup is try to build in what's the thing that's not quite right for them yet. In Act 1, we see Catalina and we learn things about her. She works as a continuity person in the movies. What's wrong with her picture? She's insecure. She's insecure. What are you doing you're insecure? She's trying to get a haircut. She's trying to get a haircut like she can't like decide or she's like what um, do you mean? She's on a like a, a She's in the chair and she's like I want this and the girl's like you can't pull that off. Yeah. <laughs> you have you have an egg face and this is more of a triangle face. I like that she's trying to change something about herself. Mhm. Her love life is a mess. We see her on a date. A bad date. The guy leaves and comes back and he's like, he's like changed his tie. He's like, hmm. You're so good at continuity, you didn't even notice I changed my tie. <laughs> he tricks her? Yeah. Then he walks out. He's like, he's like, you're the worst. You're the worst at continuity. And she still lives with her ex-boyfriend. And, and she's telling, she tells it to her ex-boyfriend. She's like, I just dated so many losers. And then she's like, present company included. And he's like, I know, girl. And they high five. (laughs) Then we set up Greg. What's wrong with Greg's picture? Well, he's dedicated to his family's grocery store, has no life, and wants to prove he can make it succeed, but... His grocery store is floundering. He's like begging for more time from the bank, trying to get a cheaper order. He's on the phone, you know. 
like someone who comes in and is like, you don't have enough money. You got to get a second job as a caterer on a movie set. They have a meet cute. We've already been over that. Yes. <clears throat> we have chemistry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. They start dating and getting to know each other. They go play miniature golf. They go take a swim class together because neither of them know how to swim. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking funny. <laughs> they figure it out. That would on, take a while. On too. a date that they can't, neither of them can swim. And they're like, do you want to go learn together? Things are going pretty well. There's a connection. But then she goes to work and they have and a connection. Then, and then, and then she goes to work together. and he's there. Got it. Oh, classic. Classic. They keep going on dates. They fall in love. This relationship is perfect. But then the now, end of act uh, one. Selma, freaking, freaking high. high. Bang. Boom. Wait, Orange. Loving this. Great. Okay. On to act two. Act two is the launching into the story. That's screenwriter Kiwi Smith. Like, uh-oh, what's the very first thing that the hero does now that she's gotten this information? She's kind of has an unraveling. In, in Act 2, she starts to unravel mm-hmm. based on this information she gets at the beginning of Act 1. Mm-hmm. So so this has got, yeah, this has all got to be rising action of self-sabotage, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, she's missing the continuity at, fucks up the job. on the job, and it's like, it's funny, but it's bad. Um, but if she's trying to, like, find information on Selma Hayek from various people on mm-hmm. set, like, someone knows, like, maybe there's a, mm-hmm. maybe there's a Jennifer Coolidge or someone who's Mm-hmm. worked with Selma. So she like starts to try to pump her for information. Mm. Or she's trying too hard to look good. So she's wearing mm-hmm. like clown makeup. This is a bad makeover. <laughs> yes. She gets a pixie cut. She I was finally not thinking the, pixie cut. She mm-hmm. gets the haircut that she tried to get at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it does look bad on her. And it just the, looks and bad the on woman, her. Yeah, the woman tells her not to do it. She gets a yes. Yes. I love that shit. Yeah. Spying on Greg. She looks through his phone. That's classic. Yeah, yeah. Grabbed oh. his phone. Yeah. What an evasion of privacy. Mm-hmm. So I guess we have a terrible person as our lead character. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Greg is... Floundering? Greg's... What's happening Greg with Greg? Greg has no work-life balance. Yes. Then, about halfway through Act 2, there's an important thing called the midpoint, which is the turning point. The point where you're in a whole different movie. And the middle point is something extreme happens, like a really bad setback or someone gets fired or, you know, an exciting big new turn of events that usually sets the hero way back or it can amp the movie up in a new direction. Like in Legally Blonde, it was, she gets the internship. What's going on? Callahan's firm is defending a murder trial. His caseload is so big, he's taking on first year interns. He picked them already? And then she like embarks on this whole trial. So that's like, okay, now the movie is actually becoming about that. Could the midpoint be no turning back? They now tell everyone. They don't get fired, but everyone, like, I don't know. There's a They they go like, no, we're together. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. The cat's out of the bag. That's yeah. a good idea. That's a really good idea. And then they're like, that's kind of also changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. So the, cat, the cat's out of the bag, and we get this beautiful moment of them being, like, in love and having fun on set, and everything's great, you know? Mm-hmm. But then the bad guys close in. The bad guys, in this case, are there self-sabotaging ways, mm-hmm. right? right? They're really, like, their relationship sabotaging yeah. ways. And then this all climactically leads to a breakup. Yes. Great. So, by the end of Act 2, Greg and Catalina are deeply in love, but Catalina breaks it off because of her insecurities. 
manifested in her jealousy of Selma Hayek. Which brings us to Act 3 and the climax, the moment the heroes pass from their greatest darkness towards their greatest triumph. So there's a tenant in screenplay writing, which is that the climax of your film should be the worst place in the world for this character. So the Death Star is the worst place in the philosophical stakes of this whole piece. Yeah. That's the worst place on Earth. So I think what I've been thinking about is the worst place on Earth for Catalina is, I guess, a party, like a Hollywood party where Mm. Selma, Selma Hayek's party. Yeah. 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 Her. So she's in uh, the lion's den. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, she's at Selma Hayek's yeah. party. Yeah. I wonder if it would be even like if there was like a more smaller version of a party. Like she's like the mm-hmm. worst place on earth would be, would be like a dinner with Selma Hayek. Or yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, An elevator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like closed confines, yeah. like with mm-hmm. her beauty and her radiance and her charm. She's serving at a restaurant. Yeah. And Greg and Selma are there. That's hell. That's fucking hell. She has a second job? She does now. She lost the continuity. She like she fucked it all up. Oh, she got fired for that? Fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That sucks for her. That's great. Um Serving Selma Hayek would be like, yeah, hell. Or she's like a cater waiter at the party. Yeah. Yeah. Catering jobs could be so like you're wearing a stupid little tie. Mm -hmm. You look terrible. The climax usually includes some kind of grand romantic gesture. But to get to this gesture of love, Catalina has to love herself first. The trap here, obviously, is running to the airport. I saw Salma Hayek. She's short, okay? Yeah. And I realized she wasn't anything like me, you know? Like, how do we not do that? Could Salma Hayek be sage and wise? I think Salma Hayek should be, like, even cooler and better than she imagined. And... Mm -hmm. But somehow that's okay. Like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know how that fixes anything. But I think we just just go against that mm-hmm. idea that like she sees her and then she's like, I'm better than that. What if they have a really nice time together? Yeah, her and Selma. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And it like and just, she Selma knows who she is. Yeah, she's like Greg talks about you. Yeah, all of these things start yeah. to fall into place, she's and like, she's not threatened. In fact, like that can be also quite a rock. We could have kind of a funny, 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 funny fun time with her and Selma. Yeah. Catalina confronts Selma Hayek and realizes she's a wonderful person, just like Greg said she was. He was never hiding anything. Catalina then has to recognize that this was her issue to overcome. After meeting Selma, she's finally able to love herself and try to get Greg back. This is... That's great. Quite a lot of work we've done, I think. This is a good... It's a shape. It has never been a shape before. This is a shape. I love barfing out a shape because then we have something to... Absolutely. Nice job on the color coordination, Maddie. Obviously, this is all subject to change. Guys, we're only on episode four of this podcast. We've got a lot more to iron out. But now, we're going to bring things back to where this episode started. Setting. Granville Island, known to be the most romantic place in Vancouver. We took our field trip to Granville Island to help inspire discussion about where to set our movie. But the truth is, we've kind of had our minds made up about where to set it for a while now, even when we were trying to decide on a job for Catalina. So she lives outside of Chicago and she runs a You Pick Apple Orchard. It's called You Pick Em, I Eat Em, and she eats every apple that somebody picks. (laughs) Chicago, the windy city. Why do we like it? Well, it's a big American city. It's got tons of things for our characters to do. Baseball games, restaurants, museums, beaches. 
We also don't want it to be New York or L.A., where it's probably pretty common to have an ex-girlfriend who's a celebrity. I don't know why I wanted to set it in the States, just because maybe I wanted to make, uh, like, an international release and, like, who wants to watch a movie about Vancouver, B.C.? But there is one thing that Granville Island shares with Chicago. They're both on bodies of water. And what floats on water and can also host an A-list Hollywood party? Rentable by the hour party ships, of course. The idea of the pirate ship got so lodged in our brain, so much so that we wanted to use it. What if Catalina has to work on this pirate ship after she gets fired from the continuity job? And that is where she finally meets Selma while dressed in a full pirate costume. And she's doing continuity on the pirate ship. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it doesn't exactly add up. Why would a pirate ship represent rock bottom for her? It's not like the polar opposite of what she was doing before. Okay, so still some things dying out, but we like the direction this is going. Okay, wow, big week. We built a roster of side characters, we figured out the setting of the movie, and we even learned about Selma Hayek. We've almost made too much progress. You're probably like, You've changed. It's like you're a completely different person. I don't even know you anymore. Well, that's some pretty cliche dialogue. And cliche dialogue is what we're trying to avoid. I found this hard and embarrassing, and it gave me a lot less faith that we could pull off this rom-com because mm-hmm. I was like, this is my real life where I was completely unbridled, and it's just awful. It's mm-hmm. insane. That's next week on Let's Make a Rom-Com. Let's Make a Rom-Com is a production of CBC Podcasts and Kelly and Kelly. Hosted by Maddie Kelly, Mark Chavez, and Ryan Beal. And created by Kelly and Kelly. This episode is written and produced by Dave Shimka, Chris Kelly, and Max Collins. Coordinating producer, Lauren Berkovich. Associate producer, Rebecca Pang. For CBC, Jeff Turner is our senior producer. Executive producers are Cecil Fernandez and Chris Oak. And Arif Nurani is the director of CBC Podcasts. Our theme song is by Chris Kelly and Colin Cowan. Special thanks to Karin Sony. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.